It's April 17th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. A good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. So today is a special edition of The Wright Report, but before I tell you what it is, I have a confession. So late yesterday, flying home from Florida, I came down with a cold. Uh, springtime colds, aren't they just the best? So you might hear it in my voice, and I apologize in advance. But that's not going to stop us. No, sir, no, ma'am. I am going to take you around the world this morning to brief you on the latest regarding the top secret intelligence that has leaked out of the U.S. Pentagon. We've got stops in Asia, the Middle East, Europe, and then we come back home to America. And with every stop along the way, folks, I'm going to remind us about why we should care and how it could impact you and your family. Later, we wrap up the podcast with a brief on the leaker himself, because there is a big old debate in Washington, D.C. this morning about whether this guy is a whistleblower or a traitor. Plus, some politicians and pundits are asking, how can a 21-year-old kid possess all that sensitive information? I mean, how did this young man get his clearances? Well, I will share with you that he's not alone. In fact, I started at the CIA with my clearances at age 24. That is all up next on this special edition, infused with the cold, of The Right Report. So folks, get out your maps and let's get to it. So over the past week or so, I have briefed you on what's being called the Discord leaks. Those are the top secret documents created by the U.S. intelligence community that have been popping up all over social media including one platform called Discord. So that is where the leaker, who is a 21-year-old National Guard member, began sharing the intel that he collected over the course of his duties. More on that young man to come. Meanwhile, these leaked documents are giving us some pretty critical insights into the state of the world. And in some cases, it appears that the U.S. government has been lying or misleading the American people about how things are really going. So let's start this morning in America where we've got to talk about some balloons. So to refresh our memories on that issue, a Chinese spy balloon floated across the entire continental United States back in February, right, doing zigzags and circle eights above some pretty sensitive military bases and transmitting the data back to Beijing. Now, the White House took a lot of heat for not shooting down that balloon until it was over the Atlantic Ocean, which, well, it had arguably accomplished its spy mission and (laughs) embarrassed the U.S. on the international stage. Now, at the time, defenders of the White House and the Biden administration said that the balloon incident wasn't really that big of a deal. In fact, the Pentagon dismissed the whole thing, saying that the balloon didn't collect anything of value for the Chinese. Meanwhile, Joe Biden himself said of the incident, quote, it's not a major breach, end quote. Well, it turns out that the White House knew that none of that was true. In fact, these leaked documents that we're just now getting from the Discord server and platform confirmed that one week after the balloon had been recovered and evaluated, the U.S. government still had not figured out the function of all the sensors and the antennas that they had found. But they did know this. The solar panels on that balloon could generate enough electricity to power a type of radar that can capture images uh, at night and through clouds and even through thin material like tarps. That all, by the way, is according to a review of the documents by Reuters News Service and the Washington Post. And folks, listen to this. 
The leaked documents also show that the U.S. intelligence community was watching these balloons for at least two years prior to this February incident. Right? There was the balloon that the intel community called the Bulger 21, which circled the globe from December of 2021 until May of 2022. There was also another balloon called the Accardo 21 and a third that crashed into the Pacific Ocean. Now, all of these balloons, they knew, had advanced radar systems. They had cameras and video technology that was distinctly better than what satellites could provide. My goodness. So those are the facts of this top secret leak regarding the balloon saga. Let me now offer you my quick analysis and opinion as a former intel officer. So what I think is very clear, folks, is that as the balloon was approaching the United States back in February, we can now say for sure that the U.S. intelligence community had some degree of understanding of these balloons, that they were not some weather balloon, but actually a spy balloon, and that they had some pretty advanced capabilities, but we didn't quite know fully what those capabilities were. And that means that they, within the IC, that is to say the intelligence community, they should have given some reasonable counsel to the president to shoot it down, either in the remoteness of Alaska or southern Canada, and then pull up that balloon and all this gadgetry and start filling in those gaps of knowledge, the intel collection. But I'll tell you, what happened was none of that. The White House and the U.S. military and the CIA decided to let this thing pass over us. And we now know it was far more advanced than we expected. So in my view, that is a failure. It's a, it's a failure of leadership at the White House, the Pentagon, and the CIA. All right, with that, let's move on to the next classified document that's been leaked. And to do so, let's leave the United States and head to the city of Taipei. That's the capital of Taiwan. And just to make sure we're all tracking, that, of course, is the renegade province that broke away from mainland China years ago after a civil war, with the rebels and their descendants now leading a government there. And we're learning this morning more about what the government in Taiwan thinks about its prospects of survival if China invades them. I got to tell you, folks, it's not looking good. First, senior Taiwanese military leaders do not think that their air defenses would accurately detect Chinese missile launches, right? In other words, they would be devastated in that initial Chinese air assault after the first couple of hours. Second, they think, that is to say, the military leaders in Taiwan think that it could take days to upwards of a week to move all of their aircraft to shelters during that initial wave of bombings, which, again, would leave those aircraft pretty vulnerable to airstrikes. And third, even if the Taiwanese military managed to detect the onslaught of missiles and move the planes into shelter, well, only half would be able to effectively engage the Chinese aircraft in an air war. And then there's this. The U.S. intelligence community still isn't clear on what an imminent invasion of Taiwan would even look like. In other words, what sort of signals would we see on that southeastern part of China? Also, that we could warn, say, the Taiwanese people and the Taiwanese government, you know, protect those jets. So all in all, folks, it's a pretty stark assessment on what would happen if China were to invade Taiwan, right? So with those facts, let me now pivot to my analysis. And I want to remind ourselves of something. The U.S. military and intel community believe that Chinese President Xi has ordered his military to be ready to invade Taiwan by the year 2027, all right, possibly before. And if that were to happen, what we're learning from these classified documents is that defending Taiwan would come with a very, very heavy cost, right? Within a day or two, 
Taiwan's Navy and Air Force would be, well, all but destroyed or inoperable, right? And Chinese soldiers would be on the island and working to secure it. And that means, folks, that if the U.S. comes to Taiwan's defense, and that is likely to happen, there would be high U.S. casualties. And to be very clear, I'm talking about the loss of our young men and women in uniform. And that is certainly a reason for why you should care about this leaked document. Now, I note that these classified materials match actually a public assessment done back in January. A bunch of retired generals and intelligence officers got together and they did what's called the tabletop exercise for an organization called the Center for Strategic and International Studies. And the upshot of what they found is that America and our allies like Japan would strike back after that initial Chinese invasion, all those missiles, and we would likely prevail. But we would lose dozens of ships, hundreds of aircraft, and thousands of service members. By the way, as for China, their navy would be largely toast, and Taiwan was going to have to deal with probably tens of thousands of prisoners of war, all those soldiers who were trying to take the beaches. In other words, America and our allies probably would win the first round, but the cost, my goodness, to our military and our military families would be absolutely horrific. So I'll be keeping my eyes on this one, folks, because I'll tell you, this is the stuff of World War III, and we got to keep our eyes peeled. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. Now, most of you likely won't hear any ads over the next couple of minutes, so enjoy the ad-free experience, and we will be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report, and let's continue this morning with our special brief on the Discord leaks. All right, we're going to leave Asia now and head for the Middle East. Now, I've already briefed you on the leaks involving one country in the region. That's the country of Egypt. So back on April 11th, I briefed you that Cairo planned to sell rockets to Russia, and in exchange, they would get a secure supply of wheat, which in Egypt is a national security priority. But today, we're going to move to the north and the east of Egypt, and we're going to talk about the country of Jordan. And what we're learning this morning from those leaked documents is that the leaders in that country, in the capital of Amman, are growing very concerned that they have angered China, all because the United States actually asked Jordan for a favor. But first, before we get into that favor, let's talk about why we should care about Jordan. And the key here, folks, is terrorism. Right? The royal family in Jordan has been a key partner of the U.S. war on terror, providing, well, honestly, invaluable assistance and intelligence to take on al-Qaeda and ISIS and others in the region. And in return for their assistance, we, well, assist them. The United States gives them around $1.3 billion each year in foreign aid. Right? That's according to the U.S. Agency for International Development. And speaking of development, that actually takes us to our leaked intelligence. So several years ago, the United States began pressuring countries around the world, like the leadership in Jordan, to avoid using the Chinese telecom company called Huawei because of counterintelligence concerns. All right, let me unpack that. So these Chinese companies like Huawei, they are alleged to have built in sort of secret software that allows Beijing to clandestinely collect gobs of data and send it back to China. Or to control or manipulate the equipment once it's been installed. And for what it's worth, we got this problem in the United States too. All because rural cell phone providers bought this cheap Chinese stuff over the past 20 years. And it's still there, including near critical military bases. But the point is, we're trying to prevent that same kind of mess that we have 
from happening to other countries around the world, like Jordan, because they are actually planning to develop a new 5G cellular network in their country, right? But the question is, who are they going to buy it from? Well, the leaked intelligence shows that leaders in the capital of Amman are very worried about saying no to Beijing. Senior officials in Jordan have been stewing about how China will retaliate against them. And that's because Beijing is a critical trade partner to Jordan, around $2 billion or so each year. So those are the facts and data this morning on this particular leaked document. Let me now give you my analysis and opinion, because at first blush, you might be wondering about this particular document. It doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but really it is. Let me tell you why. Remember last week when I talked about Cold War II, right? That's the fight between China and the U.S. for influence and supremacy all around the world, much like the first Cold War between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. Well, this sort of hand-wringing by officials in Jordan is just one more example of how challenging it is going to be to pull the world away from China, right? Beijing has managed to just burrow itself into virtually every economy all around the world. And governments are pretty fearful of what China will do as retribution if they take a side. That's, well, not Beijing. And in this case, well, it's Jordan and cell phone technology. But we see this happening elsewhere, too, like in places uh, like Australia or Germany, where China is the top trade partner for both of those countries. So, folks, that means that this is going to be a tough fight for America to win this Cold War, too. But I got to tell you, there is good news to report, at least on this issue. So one week ago, Jordan chose the company Nokia for their 5G network equipment, right? That company is based out of Finland. In other words, they turned down China, never mind the pressure. So there's one small victory, hopefully many more to come. With that, let's now move on from the Middle East to Europe, where we have learned a lot over the past week from these remarkable leaks. So to refresh our memories, on April 12th, I briefed you on the fact that American boots are on the ground in Ukraine, right? U.S. Special Forces are, in fact, operating throughout the country, although the U.S. government has insisted, in fact, still today, that no, no, they're only working in the U.S. Embassy, yes, in the capital of Kiev. Well, I can tell you with a high degree of confidence from my own sources that that is a lie, kind of like the Chinese balloon story. Moreover, I shared with you on the 13th of April that the U.S. Pentagon and the intelligence community have both assessed that there is no chance for peace in Ukraine this year at all. That, of course, raises the risk of escalation and conflict with Moscow. So today, let's now talk about something else that we are learning about the war in Ukraine through these leaks. First up, Ukrainian air defenses, folks, are in bad shape. Fox News and the New York Post are both reporting, of course, from the leaked material, that one of Ukraine's air defense systems, called the S-300, could run out of ammunition by as early as May 2nd. And that's especially bad because the S-300s make up around 90%, that's 90% of Ukraine's air defense capability. And if Ukraine loses the skies, folks, they may well lose the war to the Russians. But to be fair and to be clear... (laughs) Not all is well for Russia either. As CBS News reports from these leaked documents, Moscow's intelligence service called the FSB admitted that the figure of Russian dead and wounded was well over 110,000 men, right? That is far higher than the 10,000 or so that Moscow has officially declared. By the way, of the 100,000 dead Russians plus, 
there's one group that we need to talk about, right? And that is the Russian Special Forces or Spetsnaz. The New York Post is reporting from these leaked documents that up to 95% of some Spetsnaz units have been killed in fighting. That's because Moscow is leaning on these guys over the more junior and less trained conscripts. All right, one more thing to note about Russia and these leaked documents. Moscow, folks, is training professional protesters. All right, so here's what we know. A private company close to the Kremlin has been training at least 150 men to stoke unrest and violence in targeted countries by organizing protests. So it's unclear if they have been deployed out into different parts of, of uh, Eastern Europe, but we should definitely keep this in mind the next time that we see protests pop up in Europe and beyond. All right, for our final two briefs, folks, let's leave Europe and head on home. We've got two developments in North America, and the first one is out of Mexico, where the U.S. intelligence community is confirmed to have the phone lines of a Mexican cartel completely tapped. All right, so here's what we know as reported by the Washington Post. So back in early March, you may recall there were four U.S. citizens who traveled to Mexico for, well, plastic surgery. Well, there was some sort of fight apparently a road rage incident or a minor car accident. But regardless, the U.S. citizens got into a tussle with the wrong car because it turns out that car was full of cartel members from the Gulf cartel. So that much we more or less knew. But what we didn't know is that the whole thing was being monitored by America's electronic eavesdroppers. Yeah, the spies in the sky. They had tapped the cartel members' cell phones long before this incident. Now, in and of itself, that's not a huge shocker, all right? The U.S. intelligence community has long tapped the phones of cartel members and then actually released that material to U.S. prosecutors, who in turn use it to build cases. But it is important for all of us to know that, yes, the U.S. intel community has the cartels wired, all right? We know who they are and where they are. Okay, so what are we to make of that? And, and why am I bringing this fact to you? Well, here is my assessment and my opinion based on my experiences at the agency. So first, I think what this leak confirms is that if America wants to take unilateral action against the cartels, in other words, we don't notify the Mexican government and we just go in and start killing people, all right? We can do that. We know who they are and where they are. So now it's a question of political will. It's a political decision. And to date, no president of this country has taken that step. But if they choose to, or if you demand that they do, you now know that the U.S. military and intel communities can do it. With that, let's now leave Mexico and finish our around-the-world travel this morning by coming back home to America. And we've got some pretty startling news to talk about regarding the vulnerability of our satellite systems. CBS News is reporting that one of these leaked documents spells out the assessment that the Chinese government is developing, quote, a cyber attack capability to deny, exploit, and hijack Western satellite links and networks, end quote. Right? The goal would be to seize command and control of a U.S. satellite or satellites, and that's a big deal because the Pentagon has only publicly disclosed that China is trying to attack U.S. satellites, not hijack them and gain physical control. So, folks, let me now pivot from facts to one piece of analysis and opinion that I'll offer you. 
And I want us to step back for a second. Right? We need to remember that the U.S. military, the FBI, and the CIA have all assessed that China is our number one adversary. Right? There are just so many examples that justify that assessment. In fact, I lose count. But this latest example of hijacking our satellite infrastructure is a pretty alarming one. Right? Think about how that would impact our military operations during a war. Say nothing, of course, of civilian use. And I want you to think about that, folks, when you hear U.S. lawmakers and the White House say that they don't want to separate or decouple our economy from China's. In fact, over the last two or three weeks, the leadership of both the U.S. Commerce and Treasury Departments have said that they want the U.S. to continue our economic relationship with the Chinese. They want us to be closer. So based on this latest leak of what they want to do with our satellites, you tell me. Is that wise to keep our economy so close, grow them even closer? Or is that kind of reckless? With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's special brief. But I've got one more thing before I let you go, and that's a look at the leaker of these documents. So enjoy this next break, which will be ad-free for now, and we will be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. This morning, we've covered a lot of ground, haven't we? We've gone from China to Taiwan, Jordan and Egypt in the Middle East. We stopped by Ukraine for a while and Mexico too. All of those were critical briefs on the state of global affairs, as leaked by a 21-year-old man who, according to an affidavit unsealed on Friday, is a National Guardsman who held a top-secret security clearance since 2021. So now we have two major debates in Washington, D.C. about this. First, is this kid, man, young man, a hero or is he a criminal? Second, should 21-year-olds ever have that kind of high-level clearance? So let's take on that last part, his age. So I would offer you this. I started at the CIA when I was 24, at least if memory serves, and I applied at age 21. Right? It was the job of the interviewers and the, and the psychologists and the polygraph experts to determine if I was mature enough for the responsibility of a TSSCI clearance, in other words, a high-level clearance. And in their judgment, ultimately, I was. So I got it. You should also know this. The CIA has an intern program, right? So there are people aged 18 to 22 with clearances. Although, again, if memory serves correctly, they usually have lower level clearances, but still, they can and do learn a lot about the nation's secrets. In other words, folks, if I can just offer you my opinion on this debate, the age issue doesn't personally move me as a reason to be outraged. And that's because the assumption is that the people in charge of vetting these young folks, well, should be professional. And so if there's outrage or concern to be had, that's where it ought to be directed, to the people who gave them the clearance to begin with. But there's another issue people are bringing up, and that is this. How did this young man have access to so much stuff? I mean, think about it. We went around the world this morning talking about what he leaked. Well, I will say that that is a fair concern and comment. All right, I'm going to tell you that at the CIA anyway, we try to prevent this kind of issue by instituting policies around compartmentation which is just a fancy way of saying that if you are working on, let's say, the Mexico account, you have no need to know what the CIA is doing in India. 
All right. So in other words, you compartment or you limit exposure of operations amongst employees. And that seems to be the problem here. Right. This young man had access to far too many things at one time. Right. We're going to learn more about that in the months ahead and probably be asking some pretty tough questions about this issue of compartmentation. And that, folks, takes me to the last point as we wrap up the podcast this morning. There are statements from U.S. politicians and commentators that the leaker is either a hero or a villain. And I'll tell you, as you hear these statements and these arguments, I would simply offer you this as my opinion. Reporting so far says that he was trying to impress his friends online. Right? He he wasn't a traitor. He was a he was an idiot. But that doesn't mean that what we're learning isn't the stuff of whistleblowers. And from my optic, he has single-handedly confirmed what many of us have long known, at least in my world, of military and intel folks, right? We are at war with Russia. We have boots on the ground, and that is worthy of public acknowledgement and debate. Plus, I also shared with you today that the Pentagon and the White House lied about the Chinese balloon saga, right? They said it wasn't a big deal, nor did China learn anything of significant value. But both statements we now know are lies. And so for all the damage and the problems that this young man caused, for probably all the wrong motivations, he's actually given us a gift. And that gift is the truth. On the most important issues of the day, ladies and gentlemen, we've learned the truth. And we have learned, I'm sorry to say, that our government has been lying to us. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.